Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. As usual, I bring some props. Okay. <laughs> we, need a, we need a visual, don't we? I need a visual. <laughs> and today I've actually called my message, Walking Shoes and Ram's Horns. So I brought with you my walking shoes and my ram's horn. <laughs> and I'm sure in, um, with that title, you all know what chapter of the Bible I'm about to read from. <laughs> it's jo- J- Joshua 6. And the background is, and you know, when we were in the SDA building, um, if you remember, just before the last Sunday we left, Dave and I got up and we actually talked about crossing over into the Jordan, over the Jordan into the promised land. And God just brought me back. I spent some time with Joshua this week. <laughs> He's a really cool dude. He really is. And the background is, as we go to Joshua 6, is that they had just crossed a swollen river. They had just seen a miracle. And they'd gone from an old season of wilderness and they've stepped into the promised land. And can you imagine? They've just stepped onto their promise. Now 40 years in the desert and now they're standing on their promised land. And where is the promised land? The promised land is a land filled with what? Milk and honey overflowing grapes so big that it took two men to hold them up. Amazing place. And they're standing, actually standing there. But the Bible tells us that in the same promised land, there were enemies that lived in fortified cities behind locked gates and barred walls, walls that were impenetrable. And in this promised land, there were giants. Now, that doesn't sound exciting, does it? (laughs) You know what? And as I read it, I felt the Lord say, you know what? That's like us. Okay, we've just stepped into promised land. But in the promised land, there's some things we're going to need to put our boots on for. There needs some eviction notices that's going to have to happen. And you see, what happened was God never, ever wanted the children of Israel just to step into the promised land and join forces with their enemies. He actually wanted to remove the enemies. And he did not want them to cohabit with them. Reason why? Because he knew that they would influence their lives. And he knew that they would not be a good influence and they would trip them up and they would cause issues. So he gives them a promises and says, anywhere you put your foot is yours. But he said, there's inhabitants of the land that I am going to drive out but you've got to go out and possess your land. Wow, okay. And you know, it's the same for us. Over highway, we have the word, occupy your future. Sounds great. I got so excited when Matt did those screens and I'm like, Matt, it sounds awesome. Occupy your future, that's everything I'm not now, isn't it? But, you know, when we get to occupy a future, we're like the children of Israel. We're gonna to have to go and remove some things that have been inhabiting in our promise. And, you know, um, just being really personal, about 20 years ago, God gave me a promise. Well, actually, it wasn't a promise. It was a call. And he asked me, and he said, Claire, would you be a shepherd for me? And I remember saying, yes, Lord, of course. Yes, Lord. But, you know, what I didn't realize that when you say yes, the journey begins. It really does. That yes has got a whole lot more attached to it. <laughs> it's a good thing, but it's, it really does start something. And as you know, most of I've shared this with a woman, but I was born in South Africa, and South Africa is a country of fear. So you're born into fear, you just are. And from my earliest remem- memories, I just remember being afraid. I remember being afraid someone was going to rob our house or someone was going to take something from me. I got pickpocketed when I was very, very young, and just I just was afraid all the time. And... Um, I gave my life to God when I was nine years old. And I remember he spoke a promise to me that 
You know, when God speaks something, because there's a lot of words in here, but the promise that's for you just shines in your heart and you just grab it. And he gave me Joshua 1.9 and he said, Claire, be strong and be courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged or dismayed. For wherever you go, I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to go before you. I won't ever leave you. I'll never forsake you. And I remember thinking at nine years old, that's awesome because I live in South Africa. I need not to be afraid. But what I didn't realize was he was actually speaking into my future. He was telling me that I was not meant to be afraid. But you see, I didn't get it back then. I only got it when I said yes to the call. (laughs) He wanted me to live from a place of courage, not from a place of fear. And what happens was when you live in a place of fear or live in something that you're just used to, you get so conditioned to that place, you're actually not aware that it's an issue. Because it's just who I was. I was afraid. (laughs) That's just, you know, my thing. And then when I said yes to God, what I actually did, I gave him permission. I gave him permission to actually drive out that inhabitant of my life. Because, you see, he wants my life to be the promised land. And the promised land for my life is that I would carry the fullness of heaven. Everything that Jesus died for would flow through my life. But I can't cohabit with that fear because that's taking up space. So he wanted me to partner with him to drive out the fear because I see how you realize that you can't do it on your own. You have to have his power for the breakthrough. And God reminded me also that getting rid of it and facing fears and giants and stuff that's in your life, that it wasn't just for me. It was also for others. And you've heard me say this so many times. You see, that woman of courage that he was calling me into my future, I was living in fear, but he was calling me into this future place, was that I would leave an inheritance for my children, not of fear, but courage. And so this inhabitant had to go. And you know, I said this so many times, the giants that you don't conquer, your children will have to conquer. And I don't know about you, but I want to leave something really good for my kids. I don't want to leave fear. I want to leave courage. I want to leave them something that they'll be proud of. And, you know, I don't say this in a disrespectful way, but I had a grandmother, and the only thing I remember about her was that she was so fearful. Sad, hey? And I decided way back then, I don't want to be remembered for my fear. I want to be remembered for my courage. I want to be remembered that I'm a faithful woman, yes. And, you know, I was thinking about Moses, and and they got the same promise Joshua did. But Moses and the people... They never stepped into their promise because these giants, these fortified walls and cities that stood in front of them actually intimidated them so much that doubt and unbelief rose up and they never ever stepped into the promise. So who had to conquer the promised land? The next generation. So let's let that not be our story, hey? Let's put our boots on today. (laughs) Jericho, that's what we're going to talk about. You see, when you give your life to Jesus, you go on a journey. And the journey is that he sets you free from the slave driver of sin. Sin is our slave driver. He'll take you places. He'll make you do things that you don't want to do. But when you come to Jesus, he sets you free of that. And Moses and the people were set free of Egypt. They came out of Egypt, came out of slavery. Then God takes them into the wilderness. Awesome. Do you know what he was doing in the wilderness? He was taking them from that slave mentality, from slaves to being sons and daughters, learning what it meant to be sons and daughters of a loving father who would provide every single day manna for them. How cool is that? And what they didn't realize, you see, in that place of the wilderness that often feels dry, that feels tedious and long, identity is getting established. Such an important thing because as identity gets established, you learn how to think right. You learn how to think like he thinks. And also, you know what else? Then they get to the promised land and they have to cross a Jordan. As they cross that Jordan, when you walk into the promised land, now he's gone from slaves to sons and daughters 
And he says, now I'm going to teach you how to be a soldier. Now I'm going to teach you how to evict some things out of your life. And I don't know about you, church, but I know that if we're going to occupy our future, we're to occupy, do you know what that word means? Take possession of, reside from, dwell in. So if we're going to occupy what God has said over your life and mine, we're going to learn how to take those things that God has said for us. So we need to be those soldiers and you do need to take your inheritance. And inheritance can sit in a vault. You've got to go and get it. You've got to go and get it. He's won it all. Today, we're going to learn how to put our, our, our soldier shoes on. You know, and I'm, I'm actually talking this out of a very personal place. This is what I live. This is not something I'm just bringing out because I, I got a word from God. It's something I live. So let's open the word to Joshua 6. We got our Bibles? Okay, let's go. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carrying trumpets, here we are, of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Now, this is God's word. That's what God, that's the promise, okay? You got the promise? There's the promise. So Joshua then goes ahead. I'm just going to paraphrase some of this. He tells the priests what to do. They start to um, march. And when the priests go before them, they blew the trumpets the whole way round. But Joshua commanded the army, and this time, do not give a war cry. Not yet. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. And we're going to verse 15. On the seventh day, seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Do you like that story? Do we all know that story? Isn't it an awesome story? Can you imagine how it must have felt for those children of Israel? Those walls must have looked so big and high. You know, research has told me that some of the walls were between 10 and 23 feet in some places near the towers. They were strong. They were impenetrable. Think about that. Those walls, those very walls came down not by physical strength, not by muscle. They came down by a supernatural strategy from heaven. Do you like that? Because I did. We have a supernatural God. Do you know that? He's a miracle working God who does extraordinary things. Who for? The ones he loves and the ones who listen and obedient to what he tells them to do. And that's what, what Joshua did. So they walked out in victory. Good, hey. What is our Jericho? What's your Jericho? What's my Jericho? Mine was fear. It was a big one. You know, what is the fortified city, the army, the locked gates, the giants in your life that are stopping you moving into your promise? You know, sometimes these things are external. Could be your marriage, could be financial, could be sickness on your body. So many things. You could have a prodigal not, not walking in the way of God. But what is your Jericho? And for me, most of my Jerichos are internal. Most of my Jerichos are in here. Most of my Jerichos, no one else would know or no one else would see. And just like Michelle talked about those wounded soldiers that she saw in the vision, a lot of these wounds that we carry, no one can see them. No one can see them, but they are critical care. 
they are really bad, but no one gets to see them. And most of these things have come through the sinful world that we live in, the place of this world. And they loom up in front of us like giants, they're like walls, they're like strongholds, they're like fortified cities that we just cannot seem to push through. And they make us feel so small. They make us feel weak as a Christian. They make us discouraged. They make us walk in doubt and unbelief. And God said, that's not what he has for you. And you know, those walls for Joshua, they would have been tangible. They would have felt the walls. Your struggle, it's tangible. Okay, don't let anyone tell you it's not real. Inside of you, it is so real. There's a fortified city inside of all of us. There's places that we just can't seem to find breakthrough in. And God said, I'm going for that place. That is the place I have given you to break through on. Awesome. I like that. Can I encourage you today? Would you choose to be a giant slayer, a gate opener, and a wall smasher? I want to be, don't you? So... I want to give you some practical applications today. As I read this this story, I heard three words. I heard the word march, circle, and blow. March, circle, blow. You can write those down. The first one, march. Do you know that we walk a walk of faith? Our belief in Jesus Christ is a walk of faith. And I brought my my walking shoes today. They're dirty, aren't they? (laughs) See, my walking shoes are meant to be dirty because you're meant to use them. Okay, if your faith is not just something you read, your faith is something you live. Okay, that means every circumstance, every day, every moment, every morning, every night, you're walking in faith. You need to put your walking shoes on. Put your walking shoes on. Keep walking forward. And I don't know about you, but whenever I come up with a Jericho or a giant in my life, what I usually tend to do is I start to go inward and I start to think, have I done the wrong thing? What shouldn't I have done? What's, you know, what's happening here? And I go inward and what I find myself doing is walking backwards. And what I find myself doing is getting smaller and smaller and forgetting what God's promise is on my life. And I happened to be walking around the lake one day with a friend and we were just saying, and I, I said to her, do you think I should step back? And as I said this, the lady walks in front of us and she's got a t-shirt on that says, keep moving forward. <laughs> and we had a little giggle because we thought, oh, you know, how, how ironic is that? But guess what? As we continued to walk, two minutes later, another girl walked in front of us, same t-shirt, keep moving forward. Church, keep moving forward. It's a walk of faith. It's a walk of faith, okay? They're meant to be dirty because God's going to take us to some clean places, going to take us to some dusty places, some dirty places. I imagine the children of Israel's shoes would have been filthy, dusty, and dirty because they took a step of faith. You see, faith is so important in our walk with God. It's a currency that moves heaven. Without faith, You actually can't even please God without faith. When you have faith, when you put your walking shoes of faith on, guess what? Heaven wakes up. Heaven's like, oh, did you see? They just put their walking shoes on. I wonder where they're going. What are they going to believe for? You see, faith is, what is it? It's a substance of things we don't see. The evidence that we can't actually see in the natural. Faith says, oh, I get to see that. And I love what the dictionary, the dictionary definition of faith, you know what it says? It's complete trust or confidence in something or someone based on a spiritual conviction. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance that God is working even when we don't see it. Even in your waiting season, and there's waiting seasons. I'm in one now in a particular area. I'm in a waiting season. But guess what activates a promise? Faith. The Bibles tell us that he's given us each a measure of faith. You've got one, I've got. So don't tell me you have no faith. He's given you a measure of faith. And don't ever lose sight of a miracle-working God. 
That's the God we serve. We have to remind ourselves every day, I serve a God of miracles. The God that opened the Red Sea, made a way in the Jordan River for the children to cross over. The God that pulls down the walls of Jericho. I serve the God that He went to a tomb where a man was dead for four days. And guess what He did? He called him forth. He brought resurrection power. I serve a God who can do anything you know, anything at all, even more than you'd ever dream that is possible. I serve a God of miracles. Do you? You know, the first six days, they walked around those walls and nothing happened. There's always a six days for us in the journey of faith. They walked around and round. But you see, faith, faith acts before it sees the reality. Faith moves before they see those walls come down. They had to walk. It's so important. Faith is a doing word. It's a verb. We have got to move. God requires movement with faith. And I read a story this week and I loved it. It was a farmer. They were in a town that was in drought. And the, ta- the drought threatened to, to take out all the farmers. And um, they called an emergency prayer meeting. You know, we should do that more often, don't you think, David? An emergency prayer meeting. You know, just see what God's going to do. And this one farmer, he turned up. And it said in the, in the story I read that he had waders, which I presume are up to here. But I would call them gumboots. And they said to him, why are you wearing your waders? And he said, because I don't want to get wet on my way home. <laughs> Maybe you need to buy some gumboots. Are you feeling dry today? Maybe you need some gumboots, Okay. Faith calls forth those things that aren't as if they were. Faith sees past the natural into the supernatural. Faith sees what God sees. How cool is that? Faith sees and possibilities become possible. And sure enough, with this man, the farming community, rain came and he didn't get wet. (laughs) You see, by faith, the walls came down. What robs and weakens our faith? Tell me. Doubt. Unbelief. I've done it. You've done it. See, if you don't know that God is good, that the God we serve is so good, and you don't know the nature of the God that you serve, when those trials come, you're going to question his motives. If you don't know that he is really, really good, when you're in your waiting season, I tell you, those giants are going to have a voice. And you've got to know. You've got to know the nature of your God. You can trust him in every season. And you know what? We actually don't get a choice. We have to trust him in every season. If you want to be a soldier, you've got to trust your commanding officer. You trust him where he takes you. Don't try and reason a supernatural God with human reasoning. Don't try and reason it out with what you see in your natural eyes. It's not going to look the same. We are saved by faith. This intellect and reasoning, you know what it's going to do? It's going to blind your eyes. It blinds mine all the time and I have to come back to the Word. We walk by faith, not by sight. Don't, tell, don't let your body tell you something that, it, that God hasn't said. If it starts bringing pain, say, hang on, let me just go and check with my commanding officer. What does, what does he say about this? Oh, he says, by my stripes I am healed. Hello, let's wake up to his Word. Okay. You know what God said to me? Don't focus on your enemies. When they were walking around, they weren't to focus on their enemies. Okay, they were focusing on the resurrection power of their God, on a good, good God. He can do anything, you know, anything. And there's a story, I don't know if you've heard it, most of you may have, but I love this story. It's a man named Honey. He, um, he's a famous man, and I'm sure most of you've heard it. But in the first century BC, just before Jesus' generation, this man was in an area near Jerusalem that was so much drought that it actually threatened to take a generation out that had no rain for such a long time. And what the story says, that in this time, God was nowhere, nowhere to be heard. 
They heard no word. There was a time when the prophets were not. There was no prophet. There was 400 years of silence. But one man, he decided, you know what? I serve a God of miracles. I'm going to pray anyway. He believed that even if the people could not hear from God, he believed God still heard their prayers. And he believed in a miracle-working God. And so what he did, he got his staff and he drew a huge big circle. And he stood inside of the circle. And all the town came out to watch him, see what he was going to do. And he dropped to his knees. And he raised his hands to heaven. And with the authority, like Elijah calling fire from heaven, he called rain from heaven. He said, Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy to your children. His prayer was resolute, it was humble, it was honest, it was confident, meek, yet expectant. And then it happened. As his prayer ascended to the heavens, raindrops descended on earth. The crowd was so amazed, and, and Honey actually didn't get off his knees and didn't lift his head. You see, the people were so thrilled because they had the sprinkle of rain. He said, you know what? Not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain that will fill cisterns and pits and caverns. And the sprinkle turned into a torrential downpour, so much so that the people had to run for their lives. Wahoni did not lift up his head from that circle, for he continued to pray. And he said, not for such rain have I prayed, but for the rain of thy favour, blessings and graciousness. And then it began to rain calmly, peacefully. Each raindrop was a tangible token of God's grace. And just it didn't just soak the skin, it soaked the spirit with faith. How cool is that? You see, this day, the day of the legend of the circle maker was born. Honey is known as the circle maker. And it had been difficult to believe the day before the day. But the day after the day, it was impossible not to believe. Good, hey. Honey was celebrated as a hero that saved a generation. And the prayer that saved a generation was deemed one of the most significant prayers in the history of Israel. It was a testament of the power of a single prayer to change the course of history. My point number two, circle. We need to circle our promise. Okay, the future has already been written. Joshua and the people, they circled. They seemed like they circled Jericho, but you know what they circled? They promise. They circled the promise. God had said, I have given you Jericho. Past tense. They believed the promise. And God gave them the strategy through the promise. Pastor Anne reminded us, do you remember a couple of weeks ago, she got up on the stage and she walked around and she did a circle. And she said that she, God had called her to go into her living room and to walk a circle. And she started to pray for her son, Shane. She had no reason why, but she started to declare the promises of God over her son's life. And, you know, incredible, really, when you think what she did is that she just started to believe that God has hand upon her son. And what she didn't know was that that prayer saved her son from a terrorist attack where his life could have been taken. The terrorist actually knocked on his door and he was supernaturally protection. You know, it's so important. Don't circle your circumstance, circle the promise. Don't look at the walls, look at the one. Look at what he says, okay? Today, God is calling you to circle your promise. And this week, we had the absolute honour. We had our beautiful Wendy come and share at our brave woman's this week. And she shared a testimony how she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And Wendy did what Joshua did. She circled her promise. She, she, where did she get it from? From here. She got the word of God and she circled that. Wendy told us that God healed her of cancer. Good, hey. Every day she said she'd take her promises and she'd speak them over. Her and her husband, they spoke them over her life and over her body. 
See, what does God say over your circumstance today? Have you asked him? It's really important. Have you got a promise for your Jericho? Because you need to seek God for a promise. What do I do? It's when I have a Jericho rise up in front of me, I circle my promise. This is the first place I go now. And you'll hear me. You'll think that I'm mumbling, but I'm actually whispering my promise. And I will say, God, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I thank you that you are faithful. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. I start to circle my promise. I start to declare what he has said over my life. And when I pray for my children, I say, all my children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of my children. And I start to declare his righteousness and his goodness and he is faithful. And he says, surely goodness will follow me all the days of my life. Father, you promise when I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff are with me. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows, and I start to declare, I start to circle my promise. I start to say what He says around my Jericho. So important, church. We've got to circle our promise. You see what He says to me, Claire, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, for I'm with you. I've already gone before you. I've made every crooked place straight. God is good. And Wendy said, she got her healing promises and the scriptures that God gave her, they were specifically to circle the cancer, but they circled her promise. And guess what? She was totally, completely healed of cancer. The Word of God became her breakthrough, became her strong tower. What amazing testimony. And I don't know, I'm, I'm a story person, as you can probably tell. I like stories, they speak loudly to me, but I used to, I've got Andrew here and I, I, I love having you here today, Andrew. But I, I don't know if you remember, I used to read to you Pilgrim's Progress. Do you guys ever read that? It's, it's John Bunyan's book, Pilgrim's Progress. And while I was preparing this message, I don't know how, but on my desk was a cartoon book of Pilgrim's Progress. And I just felt to open it. And I opened it at a part. If you know the story, little Christian, okay, he's a man that finds a cross and he's carrying a big burden of sin on his back. And he goes to the cross and the burden of sin falls off. All his past is forgiven. It's wonderful. And he becomes a Christian. And God says to him, that they tell him that what he's got to do is he's on a journey now. And the journey is to get to the celestial city. And on that journey, he's going to stay the path. He's got to stay on God's path because on that path, he'll meet hazards. There'll be things happening. But if he stays the path, he's going to be okay. And so Christian goes along. He meets a little friend, Hopeful, and they're walking together. It's awesome. But all of a sudden, his path becomes really rocky and it gets hard to walk on that path. And he looks to the side and there's a lovely soft green meadow. And the path sort of looks like, the green meadow sort of looks like it just shadows God's path. So you know what he does? He steps off God's path and starts walking where it's a little bit softer, a little bit easier. Do you know what? And he says to Hope, look, it's, it's actually shadowing God's path. We'll just walk a little bit down this path. But do you know what happened? On that path, a storm came, it got dark. He couldn't see. He finds himself in in a a cavern trying to take shelter from the rain and they fall asleep. But when he wakes up, he's not in the same place. When he wakes up, he finds himself in a stronghold, a castle called, uh, what was it, Doubting Castle, with a giant called Despair and he's been taken captive and he cannot get out of this castle. There is a prison door in front of him. And poor old Christian, he gets very discouraged because this giant, he just wants to kill him. This giant beats them, torments them, even does such a good job of destroying all their faith that they actually get to a point where the giant actually brings them a knife and some poison and says, you know what, on a rope, you might as well just take your life. And poor little Christian says, you know what, this life is so miserable. 
so miserable. I might as well just take that and just end it now. And his little friend, Hopeful, says, no, 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 don't give up. Maybe we should just keep praying. Maybe God will do something for us. So they hold on. The next night, the giant comes along. The giant's going to kill them. And just before they do, little, little Christian, he puts his hands in his pocket. And you know what he finds? He's like, oh, I have an old key. I remember they gave me a key. And the key is called promise. I wonder it just might open that prison door. So what they do is they put the key in the lock. It's a little bit rusty. It's a little bit hard to move. But guess what? It opens the prison door. And out they go. How cool is this? You know, sometimes we find ourselves taken captive. Sometimes we too have stepped off the path. Not meaning to go as far down the track as we, we find ourselves. But we've stepped off because it seems softer over there and easier. Church, can I tell you, compromise just never works. You can't have one foot in the world and one in God's kingdom. It's got to be all or nothing. You see, that place off his path is a dangerous place. There are giants out there who want to take you captive. So church, we have a key. We have a key called promise. This is the key that opens, unlocks the locked places in your life, pulls down those walls. Do you know that the Word of God is powerful? Do you know the Word of God is living and effective? It's, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It will separate the good and the bad in your life. The Word of God will renew your mind. The Word of God will break, break strongholds of the enemy over your heart, over your appetites, over your desires, over those places in your mind that you just can't get clarity and there's confusion, over your depression. The Word of God will break every stronghold in your life if you will use it. It's no good just in your pocket. You see, it is alive and living and it is powerful. Good things are released. The words, the Bible tells it's like a seed. When you take a promise and you put it in your heart and you start to speak it out and circle that promise, it starts to grow and the kingdom of heaven starts to grow into your life and good things come from it. It says in the word that he holds the universe by the word of his power. Put your walking shoes on church. Put your walking shoes on. They need to be dirty like mine, okay? They need to be dirty. It's, it's by faith that we walk. Your Jericho is not going to come down by conventional matters, me, me, measures. It's only going to come down by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. It's only when God encounters your Jerichos with you. And my third and final point is for six days, every time they walked around that Jericho, every time they walked around their, pro their promise, what was happening? The priests were what? Blowing the trumpets. Every single day, the, tree, tree, the priests were blowing the trumpets. You see, we need the breath of the Holy Spirit to bring down your Jerichos. We need His power. He is the power that flows in out of us over that promise, that breaks the chains, that breaks the strongholds. They say that this, this trumpet... Okay, it's actually a symbol, it was a war symbol. It's a symbol of power, military strength. When they got the trumpets out, they knew, okay, something was happening, something was coming, and something was about to be released. The trumpets are out, church. This is what the Holy Spirit does. It was a declaration of something. It released a sound that brought a message. Think about that. It released a sound that brought a message. These war trumpets in the Hebrew, the word for these trumpets was Yobel, pronounced Yoval. And I love this when I read this. Our English word is Jubilee. The sound the priests released each day as they blew the ram's horns around those walls was the sound of victory 
and joy. Trumpets were blown at Jubilee, signalling, what was the signalling? Freedom and restoration. Jubilee, they had to wait 50 years for Jubilee. At 50 years, at 50 years, the trumpets were sounding, slaves were set free, debts were completely forgiven and wiped clean, homes and land were restored back to their original owners, and there was such shouting and joy and celebration in the streets. The trumpets Joshua used to walk around those walls was a trumpet of victory and jubilee and freedom. He was not saying those walls are big. He was saying, my God is bigger. My God is stronger. He was using the ram's horns. It was victory. You see, the greatest victory, the greatest sound, the greatest weapon that came out of those ram's horns, okay, was a fight that we fight not to victory, but from victory. Okay, when God gave them the promise, it was past tense. I have given you Jericho. Past tense. Already done. Sealed in heaven. Church, we have so much sealed in heaven already for us. We've got to go and take those things. You see, as they walked around and they blew these trumpets, can you imagine the sound? Okay, they're blowing the trumpets. It was a sound that had a frequency with a power to crack foundations of stronghold, of fortified walls, of gates that were barred. That sound had a frequency so powerful that it was cracking things in the unseen that they couldn't even see. Wow. Something happens in that first one to six days, church. You may be walking around your promise for years. You may be walking around for days. You might be walking around just for a moment. But I tell you, as you walk around your promise, something is cracking in the supernatural. Something is being released because we're not walking in a place of defeat. We're walking in a place of victory. We're declaring everything Jesus has done. It is so powerful. Don't underestimate the power of God's breath, the Holy Spirit. He brings the reality of Jubilee to your life. We need the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I invite you to do what you need to do in this moment. Holy Spirit, come. You see, the battle strategy was walk around the city once a day for six days, blowing seven trumpets, but no words to be spoken. The Bible tells us that six is the number of man. Six is the number of man. And those six days, they walked in obedience. Sometimes it's going to feel hard, it's going to feel tedious, it's going to feel long. Okay, but then, see, in those six days, we often feel like we're doing it in our own strength. It's like, God, I can't go anymore. I feel like I'm going to break. God, can I have another day where I struggle? God, it's hard. You know, you start to feel tired. But can I remind you, okay, the seventh day, the seventh day, obedience in the six days prior was paramount paramount to the breakthrough on the seventh. You have to stay faithful. You have to keep walking in faith. You have to keep to the path. You have to keep circling your promise because the seventh day is coming. Church, don't get weary. Don't get weary on your prayers. Don't get weary in believing in a miracle working God because you see on the first and sixth day to the naked eye, nothing was happening. Nothing. The walls still look the same. They could not see that God was actually working. And I can imagine, and I saw this in my eyes when I was, I can imagine that the children of Israel walking, walking, just doing what God said, just doing what God says. Trumpets are blowing, awesome. But I imagine the people in Jericho could hear creaking and cracking. <laughs> I imagine that those walls were starting to move and they couldn't see it with a naked eye, but they could hear something was happening. I imagine that they were starting to get really, really fearful. 
they wouldn't have seen. See, if you give up on your fifth day or your sixth day, they'd never see your miracle. If they'd stopped on the sixth day and said, this isn't working, and they'd forgotten about the promise, they would never have seen the walls come down. On the seventh day, the seventh day, they walked around the city, not just once, but seven times. On the seventh time, the trumpet will be blown, a long, loud blast. And when the people hear the trumpet blast, they were to shout a war cry. Ruck, Shavak, Amak. It's a Hebrew war cry declaring their God was strong and powerful, declaring who their God was. He is our war cry, church. Jesus is our war cry. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong in battle. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. They shouted, Rak, Shazak, Amat. And that is when the walls fell down. Church, Jesus is your war cry. The mighty name of Jesus. He is mighty to save. Our weapons are not carnal. They are mighty to pulling down strongholds. You see, it was in those, that moment when that war cry was released that the walls came crashing down. His name is Jesus. We need to raise a war cry this morning over those places. We're in the seventh day. Seven means completion. It reminds us of Genesis. God created up to the sixth day. Man was created on the sixth. On the seventh day, He rested. To occupy our future, we have to enter into the rest. The rest of the finished work of the cross. You see, it's not being idle in our faith, marching, circling, blowing. We need to partner with the Holy Spirit to pull down those Jerichos in our life. When Jesus died and rose again, do you know what He did? Do you know? He completed all the requirements of the law. Everything. He took your sin. He took mine. And He nailed it to the cross. He paid for those things, that past that you've done, He paid for it on the cross with His own life. And then the Bible said, Jesus returned to heaven. He returned to His kingdom. And you know what He did? He took a seat. Do you know in the temple, the priest were never allowed to sit down. Why? Because the work was never completed. See, sin has, has sin always required another sacrifice and another sacrifice. The priest could not sit down, but Jesus came. He gave his life. He paid the price. He completed the work and he sat down. The Bible says you and I, we're seated in heavenly places. That seat is a seat of authority and power. We have authority and power. We look unto Jesus. He's the author and He's the finisher of our faith. And He sat down at the right hand of His Father and He says, come, come and sit next to me as we watch as our enemies become our footstool. You see, the wall fell down flat. This miracle was beyond normal expectation. No other city had ever been conquered in this way. Researchers actually say it was an earthquake. But I know there was a sound that was created that cracked the very foundations of a stronghold, of a fortified city. There's a sound that we can release. You see, Israel couldn't depend on any past battle victories. They couldn't depend on the old stuff they had done. All they had was one promise from God. I have given you Jericho. And they believed that promise. And they acted according to what they believed. Church, are you acting according to what you believe? Are you walking in your walk of faith because you know your God is good? 
Are you actually march, marching, circling, bro blowing, allowing the breath of the Holy Spirit to come around your Jerichos? Because God wants those walls in your life to come down. And I don't know where you are in your life, but you may find that you walked in this morning and you said, God, there's been a big giant in my life that I need to bring down. And you've been focusing on the giant rather than focusing on your great God. So this morning he says to you, if you haven't been wearing your walking shoes, would you put them back on? Would you put them on? Don't just put them on. Get up and start moving. Get up and start circling your promise. What has God said over your life? And as you circle your promise, the breath of the Holy Spirit over everything that Jesus has done is going to come and you're going to see your walls come down. So today, as we come to the end, I'd just like to take a moment. I don't know if everyone here is walking with God, but i just like, if you don't know Jesus, I would love to introduce you to my Jesus. He's awesome. If you've got something in front of your life that seems so big and too big to break through on, He breaks through. He's our war cry. He's the one that breaks those walls around our life. He's the one that will bring light into your darkness. And so if you're here today, if you would like to know Jesus, do you want to just raise your hand? If you've got a moment here and you said, you know what, I want to know Jesus. And even if you're not even wanting to know Jesus for the first time, if you walked off the path like Christian did, if you would like to walk back on the path today, do you want to raise your hand? Do you want to come closer to a good God who wants to bring breakthrough to your life? If that's you, you raise your hand. If not, my challenge for you is put on your walking shoes. Put on your walking shoes. Seek God for a promise. Find out what He says over whatever you are battling with, whatever giant is over your life. See, I had a giant of fear. That, that giant does not live in my life anymore. If it did, I could never ever stand on this platform. I was too frightened of people. I was too frightened for anyone to look at me. There was shame on life, my life. There was rejection on my life. There was insecurities. I couldn't stand here. And yet God, through His power and His promise, brought that giant down and He can do the same for you. So as we come around, we're going to sing a song and I'd love us to sing the cross has the final word. And as we come, I want to open this altar because I don't want to give you a message about giants and walls in your life without giving you an opportunity for someone to come alongside you and do a war cry over those walls and over those wounds. Sometimes it's deep wounds that we are carrying. It's grief, whatever it is, it's brokenness. And God wants to meet you there today. So we're going to stand, church. We're going to stand. And if you would like prayer over a wall or a fortified city or a giant in your life, please come. We're going to sing. Let's stand.